Thanks for joining us for season three of the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders at Branded Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, also known as The Finance Guy, and I'd like to introduce my partner and co-founder, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as The Restaurant Guy. Hey, thanks uh, for that introduction, Jimmy, and to all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. Together, we are the personalities behind Branded Strategic Hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. Jimmy, before we get going and get into a Q&A, because we got an incredible guest, I just want to mention to everybody and all our listeners, we launched the Branded Hospitality Marketplace. We're super excited about this, Jimmy. I don't know if you know anything about it. Um, do you? You know what, Chatsy? I would love it if you told me a little bit about it. I'm going to tell you a little about it. So it's a digital e-commerce platform, and we we launched this to give operators in hospitality, really anyone who touches uh, food and beverage uh, in any in any uh, category, really an opportunity to find the best solutions in technology that help uh, really everyone in the industry um, increase sales, reduce costs, et cetera. So we're really super excited about it. So if you have a chance, check out uh, thebrandedmarketplace.com. Uh, we've got over a hundred and something companies on there right now, uh, best in class in about 28 different categories. Uh, so uh, really super excited about it, Jimmy. You know what, Chatsy? If we didn't have such a fantastic guest, I just keep I'd let you keep going on this topic because I know how excited you are, and I think it's going to be an awesome experience. All right, well, let's keep going. I got more because uh, you know Corey's got nothing to do today. I, I I disagree, my friend. So listen, before we jump into today's episode, I just want to let our listeners know that at the end of the show will have a special offer courtesy of our guest today. So special offer uh, invitation for the uh, for our listeners, courtesy of our guest at the end of the show. We think you're going to like it. Okay. Uh, we're very excited about today's episode. Really, I hope you can hear it in our voices. Um, if we were to do a virtual show of hands, I don't think there's a single listener here that hasn't heard of ghost kitchens or virtual kitchens. Um, the, this is a new concept, I say in quotes, because the industry is not, this is not only one of the industry's hottest topics, um, but I've yet to, I've yet to meet someone that's not interested in ghost kitchens and whether an operator or whether an operator uh, or a consumer, um, this is a buzzword and a space that's really taking the industry by storm. So we feel very fortunate. Uh, who better to lead this conversation on the Hospitality Hangout uh, than our friend and the CEO and co-founder of Zool Kitchens, Mr. Corey Manicone. So um, Corey, we're going to let you kick, a, kick it off. Give us a little introduction about yourself, about Zool, and we're going to jump into this and have a really good time today. Amazing. Thank you, Jimmy, Shatsy. It's an absolute honor to, to be here with you both today. Um, again, Corey Manicone, co-founder and CEO of Zool. Uh, we are first uh, the first ever ghost kitchen operator in, in New York City and still to this day, actually. Wait, can you can you say that one more time for our listeners? So Zool is, uh, you know, we were the first ever ghost kitchen operator in New York City and, and still to this day even. Unbelievable. <laughs> definitely, definitely crazy. Um, so, you know, a quick background on, on Zool, though, and, and myself. Uh, I actually grew up in the industry out in Colorado. Uh, my dad owned an IHOP and then a bar and grill. So uh, ate probably more pancakes than I care to admit growing up, but also had really a, a you know, front row seat to the good and the bad and the ugly that, that come with restaurants. Um, so I've always been, you know, uh, acutely in, in touch uh, with, with the scene and, and, you know, really saw as the, the delivery trend started to explode, there was just a massive opportunity to, you know, optimize for it. 
you know, there's the, the good and the bad and the ugly that came with, with the rise of delivery. And, you know, we saw an opportunity to really for the first time ever very thoughtfully and strategically design, you know, real estate that optimized for delivery uh, so that it didn't just have to go out of retail brick and mortars. Um, and then quick background on, on the name. Uh, it was actually the third one that we landed on uh, as the first two led to very friendly cease and desist letters and emails. Uh, and ultimately, my co-founder, Sean, and I sat back and, um, you know, we were like, what the heck are we going to call this thing? And, uh, you know, there's many variations in terms of names for what we were building. But the one that really stuck with us was was Ghost Kitchens. And if you f- remember the 1984 movie starring Bill Murray, uh, there was actually a ghost <laughs> that lived in Sigourney Weaver's kitchen in Manhattan <laughs> called Zool. In the, in the refrigerator, no? In the refrigerator, yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It, uh, mo- most importantly, we talked to our trademark guy and he said, Zool in the, the hospitality space, you know, all you boys, take it away. <laughs> so uh, it, it's stuck and it's been a good conversation piece ever since. But I thought I heard of a McZool sandwich. Is that, no, did I not hear the McZool? Uh, hey, never, never say never. What do you, what do you try to chat? You try to uh, stir the pot a little bit? Well, let Corey have his company name. Let him have it. It's a great name. No, I know. 80s. That's, a, that's our decade, man. We were big in the 80s. You know, Corey, thanks for, thanks for that introduction. I got to tell you, it's funny. You know, we can kibitz a little bit or a lot of bit because I know you a long time. And it's funny because this is, I mean, I didn't know your, your background that your family was in the restaurant business, but we certainly got to know you. This is kind of your second rodeo with what I'd like to call entrepreneurship within um, the space, because we met when you were working with another company that was like a game changer, the first guys doing it, Relay, right? Yeah. And they were doing last mile delivery when I don't think anyone even knew, they never heard of last mile delivery. It was unheard of, right? Yeah, no, you're you're spot on, Chatsy. And I I think we're going on almost six years now of knowing each other. Yeah. And it's crazy. So you went to Relay and we, and, and, and I, you know, used Relay. And then you told me you were leaving Relay to start this new company. And wait a minute, just just tell the listeners, because it's kind of funny. When we talk, what was the first name? I mean, you know, you're not using it. So we'd say, what was it? So the first name was Gather. Right. And then you went. And then we went with Pear. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. And P- then I P-A-R-E. So and we were when you think about it, we were pairing back, you right. know, pairing knife, pairing back the restaurant to just the kitchen, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So little little play on words. Well, that's great. And uh and it's funny. I just rem- I remember sitting with you at one of the restaurants with you and Sean, you came and you're like, we can't use pair because our <laughs> trademark attorney said it's taken or whatever. And, and you came up with Zool. So anyway, just I think it's a funny, a funny story how things come around and, and you've been involved. So let's just get into it a little bit with Jimmy's got a bunch of questions for you. Jimmy, take it over. Absolutely. So, Corey, let's start with, you know, the multi-million dollar question. What the hell is a ghost kitchen? <laughs> um, we like to not, in all seriousness, we know that the term gets thrown around uh, quite a bit. I think there are several different types of kitchens out there that fall under the, the vertical or uh, under the halo or category of ghost kitchens. But can you explain the different types of, uh, I guess, uh, variations of this theme? How would you define for the audience the ghost kitchen? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question and, and one I get asked often. Um, you know, when you, when you take a step back, what, what's so exciting about where we're at right now uh, is we're, we're still in the infancy stage of, of ghost kitchens and, and, you know, really where the, the, the future of F&B is going, which is, you know, off-premise dining. Um, and to, to further take a step back and give a bit of context, you know, 
I really feel that right now the industry is is in a similar stage to where retail was back in the, the late 90s, early 2000s. You know, you take somebody like Foot Locker, for instance, right? Their sole revenue channel was people walking through their door. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden with the, you know, e-commerce blowing up onto the scene, all of a sudden there was this new revenue channel where people were ordering online. And you better believe Foot Locker wasn't mm-hmm. sending shoes or, or apparel out of the back of that retail brick and mortar. They actually had to change their infrastructure to support this brand new revenue channel. So now they started opening up warehouses, et cetera, et cetera. The same thing is happening in the restaurant space now where, you know, certainly through COVID and even post-COVID is there's quite a bit of tailwinds here. You know, off-premise dining is unequivocally the future of the industry. And as such, the asset class is, is adjusting a bit to better support it. So when you think of a ghost kitchen in its truest form, it's just the kitchen. There's no retail foot pre- uh, uh, presence. There's no foot traffic. Uh, it is literally a space that is optimized just for delivery. Um, and when you really peel back the, the layers of the onion there, there's, there's so many benefits to it of a, a leaner uh, labor model. Uh, you know, there's the operational efficiencies. There's the opportunity to have virtual brands and, and kind of a, a restaurant group within that, that actual kitchen, cross-utilizing product, labor, uh, et cetera, et cetera, that really is, is paving the way for, for the future of the industry. So that was a very long-winded way of me saying that, you know, a ghost kitchen is, is a kitchen that's solely focused focused and optimized on, uh, you know, executing delivery and off-premise dining. I love it. So wait, so let me just, before I ask my next questions, I, I got a couple for you, because this is like Jimmy said, I think one of the hottest topics right now in the business. So we've got ghost kitchen, but then, then somebody, a lot of times people throw around virtual, I hear shared, I hear pop-up and I hear like, you know, pod podulars or, you know, so is everything fall under ghost? And then can you just, what's a virtual, what's a shared, what's a pop-up, what's a pod? Yeah. So uh, again, there's so many terms out there. So when you look at virtual, it can almost go two ways. There's virtual brands, there's virtual restaurants, there's virtual uh, spaces uh, or virtual kitchens. But really what uh, the way that I think about virtual is, is more on the brand side. So for instance, you take what Chili's did with just wings Right. That was a virtual brand or a virtual restaurant that they layered on top of their existing infrastructure that was Chili's. Um, you take a shared kitchen. You could look at Zool in our first facility down in Soho as, as a shared kitchen. You know, it's a 5,000 square foot space that we built nine four walled kitchens, um, but it's shared. We've got, you know, seven to eight different brands in it that, you know, they're in charge of independently cooking their own cuisines. But then, you know, we clean their equipment for them. We run their product from the back of the house to the front of the house. And then, you know, we manage the dispatch center. So when Relay or Uber Eats or DoorDash comes in, it's actually, you know, a Zool employee that's handing that off. So mm-hmm. a shared kitchen kind of utilizes, uh, you know, uh, multiple aspects of the, the kitchen and the operation to further enhance margins for them. And then when you look at pop-ups, you know, we're working right now with Thrillist on a, on a, uh, an amazing partnership where they're taking some of New York City's most iconic brands and effectively giving them a, a two-week residency within our facility. 
So that's a pop-up brand, whether it's mm-hmm. Rayos or Sylvia's or Chinese Tuxedo. Um, it's been really exciting to see it come to life. And then, you know, Pod Kitchens is is also similar to Ghost Kitchens. It's just a, a different um, piece of infrastructure, you know. So what Michael is doing over at Kitchen Podular or, you know, what Reef is doing with right, their pods right. in the parking mm-hmm. lot. You know, those are just standalone, you know, kind of independent of actual bricks and mortar uh, infrastructure um, that can be utilized in an off-premise capacity. Well, that was great because I think there's a lot of uh, uh, confusion about all of it. I think you just broke it down in a real, real simple way. So now the question is, I'm an operator. I, I got to get into this space. You know, I have my brick and mortar. How do I get it? How do I get into it? What, what, can you walk me through a couple of steps and what I should be thinking about which one's right for me? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, taking a step back and first understanding what your objective is here, right? Are we trying to garner asset light expansion or or new market share into, you know, areas that your brick and mortar can't service today from a a delivery, you know, geographic uh, standpoint, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but there's opportunity to leverage your bricks and mortar as it is and launch virtual brands, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But then ultimately, if it is to to really garner that that asset light and, and new market share, share um, outside of where your brick and mortar is at, uh, you, you know, you've got a couple of, of, of opportunities. You know, one is to partner with someone like Azul, uh, where, mm-hmm. you know, again, we provide not only the infrastructure, but support and really, you know, position ourselves as your operational partner. Um, you know, but also there's kind of a unique window of, of opportunity that that exists in the market today as, you know, unfortunately COVID is, has severely impacted our, our industry as a whole. And as such, there is a massive influx of second gen restaurants that are, you know, most are in decent shape that you can take over and, you know, focus more on, on the delivery side of things than the ultimate, you know, retail uh, foot traffic. So really, it's taking a step back, understanding what your objective is, understanding, you know, your go to market strategy in terms of do you have one brand, do you have three brands, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, really going from there. But the, the good news is, is, we're at this intersection right now where there's so much innovation and so much opportunity, um, you know, at our, our fingertips that uh, for the folks that are, you know, innovating and, and experimenting, um, you know, they're really going to pave the way for what the future of our industry looks like. It's great to hear you're so enthusiastic and you're so excited about the industry because we we have been hammered, uh, especially hit hard, has been uh, restaurants, uh, of course. But it is uh, it is nice to hear that you are really optimistic and say, look, this is just a new opportunity. And I think uh, there's going to be a lot of really great uh, results come out of this. So, look, in our restaurants, you know, we've been avid users of technology in all our restaurants for years, starting with, you know, open table 20 some years ago and compete in Avera. I'd go down the list to try and find operational efficiency, et cetera. So, um, I, I mean, I'd, I'd expect in the in this ghost kitchens that we're talking about, it seems like technology is going to be a real big part of it because there is no foot traffic. So you really have to rely on inbound orders coming through and efficiencies of people picking up, et cetera. So can you just give us a little idea on what kind of technology and tech stack Zool has adopted? What are you finding really successful? What are you giving? If I sign up with Zool, what kind of tech am I getting from you? You know, what are you looking at? What are you doing to help uh, people? Uh, be successful within your operation? It's a great question, Shatsi. And, and, you know, there's a multitude of of opportunity for streamlining efficiencies here. Um, 
But you know, to to start at the the, the beginning, you know, when you op- open up in our facility, um, you are essentially placed in our technology stack. So we were very fortunate to acquire a small little company out of Philadelphia early last year, because you know when we opened up in September, we found out that you know the dependencies on the third parties makes it inherently incredibly difficult to have a, a successful or profitable model. You know, it's it's no secret. They provide a lot of value in terms of helping market to mass consumers, but they charge a hefty fee for doing just that, right. uh, which makes it incredibly challenging. One of the things that we found was that because we've got, you know, some of New York City's heaviest hitting brands under one roof, for the first time ever, we could actually allow consumers in the New York City area to order from multiple brands and get delivered simultaneously. I love and that. because we've got healthy margins from the restaurant, or excuse me, the, the real estate side of our business, mm-hmm. we can actually afford to charge a fraction of what the big three or four charge, further driving better margin business and increasing overall margins for the operators. So, you know, you're automatically placed there. You know, we even take it a step further and partner with landlords and companies around the area to provide them with a, kind of an amenitized F&B offering, whether it's a you know, customized, um, white labeled, you know, uh, landlord tenant app, or, you know, Mm -hmm. it could be think of like Squarespace for, for, for offices where an office manager can go up and upload their logo and put in their copy and, and, and effectively, you know, choose the cuisines and the restaurants they want to offer to their employees and have coupons sponsored, uh, lunches, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so really that's one of our, our core focuses right now is to really drive as much demand as we can for our brands, because at the end of the day, you know, is there an opportunity for us to actually send them so much business that they're turning off the third parties? So they're literally making the best margin business uh, uh, possible by us driving significant demand. So it, within the, the Zool ecosystem, you're automatically put onto that platform. Um, but then to, to take it a step further, you know, we do recommend, uh, you know, being on the third parties, at least to start. Uh, and that's all of them, you know, from mm-hmm. big to small, you know, make sure you're utilizing the delivery.coms of the world and, and Uber Eats and DoorDash, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, we're working on essentially consolidating all of those within our system as well. So today that looks like an order mark or, you know, uh, a checkmate or a chally, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but really those are the, the tech stacks that, that we recommend, but then also utilizing, you know, folks like Vicky, you know, our friends over at Vicky are doing incredible things from a marketing standpoint and helping convert uh, uh, consumers to native order and et cetera, et cetera. So, there's a lot of tech out there and there's a lot of, you know, new tech that truly is helping out the operators. You know, when you look back at the last five to 10 years, any semblance of innovation that's really happened in the space is, has happened off the backs of the operators. And I think for the first time ever, we're in this new era where folks are actually operator first. And that's going to bode incredibly well and put the buying power and leverage back in the operator's hands, which is very long overdue. Thanks, Corey. Um, I want to continue, um, you know, down the path that Shatsy was taking us um, in terms of from the perspective of the owner and the operator. Um, and since I'm the I'm the finance guy, I, I get to use a few statistics to kind of uh, help uh, in my in my point, and then ultimately my question to you. Um, and I think uh, these these will kind of highlight 
the impact that ghost kitchens are going to have on the industry on a global basis. So in the U.S., there are currently 1,500 ghost kitchens, putting it ahead of the U.K., uh, which has 750, uh, but behind China, which has 7,500, and behind India at 3,500. Uh, this is according to uh, Euromonitor. Uh, the ghost kitchen market size is projected to go up approximately tenfold uh, by 2030, uh, according to our friends at Technomic. And then finally, um, it is expected that Ghost Kitchens could be a $1 trillion business globally, uh, again, by the end of the decade. Um, and I will just say from Brandon's perspective, we have a similar bullish forecast that we think that upwards of 50% of restaurants uh, by the end of this decade will actually be virtual restaurants. So um, these numbers, I think, su should suggest that this business model is getting a lot of attention. Um, I, I think there's a lot of capital flowing to it, um, and there's early signs of tremendous success. Bringing it back to the operators, which ultimately your customers, Corey, you know, how does a restaurant, you know, turn a profit? And and how you know how quickly or what is the investment versus the cash flow uh, positive um, that they, they should expect if they want to move forward or choose to move forward with a ghost kitchen? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question and, and almost a million dollar question, right? Is is how do you optimize for this new opportunity? Um, as it's not apples to apples, you know, it's not the same as opening up a, br a brick and mortar, which you know you guys are incredibly well versed in, especially here in New York City. Um, but the, there's a couple key key points here. One is to to understand operationally how it works. You know, our, our most savvy operators, you go in during lunch or dinner, which obviously is peak delivery time, and they've got two, maybe three pe people in the kitchen. That's it. So when you think about a pared down labor model, um, there's a, a real opportunity to drive, you know, uh, increased margins there. Um, when you look at, you know, the, the, the capital expenditure needed up front to launch one of these, you know, the, the, the major benefit to partnering with somebody like Azul or, or some of our, our friendly competitors out in the space is we provide a lot of the infrastructure. You know, you've got a 250 to 350 square foot kitchen. It's equipped with a 10 foot hood with universal ansel coverage. It's got a three comp sink and a, and a hand sink, you know, per New York City Department of Health code. Um, but outside of that, all you need is your equipment, your labor and your product. And you can flip the, the lights on and, and go. Um, and, you know, we've seen, obviously, depending on the equipment that you go with and, you know, your cogs and, and, and you know, the, your, your food um, costs there, you know, we've seen people get launched uh, or, or launch within our facility for around forty to $50,000. We've seen some people launch with, you know, upwards of, of 100K. But when you, and, you and know, Corey, and how is, is, that, is, it, is this like a, uh, four weeks, two weeks, a month? Like, what are you thinking? If I sign today, how long does it take me to get up and running? If it was your sole focus, you know, honestly, you're, yep. the, the biggest thing you're going to run into from a timing perspective is dealing with the, the city, um, getting the correct permits, which we all know how, how, how slowly the, the city moves. But, you know, I'd say anywhere from four to eight weeks. Um, right, but, build, but building a restaurant in New York City, like we talk about, I mean, the cap eggs, I mean, a million dollars doesn't get you much today. And, it, and, it, and you're, you're a year, a year out. Exactly. Exactly. So not only is it a fraction of the cost, but it's a fraction of the time. Yeah, and uh -huh. it, it just makes so much so much sense is, you know, this is where the industry's moving and consumers are, are truly starting to prefer delivery. So, um, you know, in terms of, of, you know, how soon can a company turn a profit? Again, there's a lot of variables there, but we've seen people, um, you know, within the first four to six months be profitable. And then when you look at that, that overarching, you know, payback period, we've seen it anywhere from, you know, seven to 13 months, typically, if if done right. 
Um, but there's definitely certain dials there that need to be toggled accordingly um, to really optimize for for this new way of operating a restaurant. I love that. I um I, I feel this is again the the I, pr- I appreciate what you're sharing, and I think uh, I know I'm, my learning curve is getting spiked, and I hope our audiences as well. Um, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer. I'm really not a very uh, upbeat person, uh, but I am going to bring up you know for a moment the pandemic. Yeah, usually you're the fun guy, Jimmy. Don't bring me down. I'm a pretty fun guy. I just got to look. The fact is, our industry. I used to call it a headwind. Uh, what the pandemic is doing to the hospitality industry. And I just felt that was a perfunctory uh, way of describing it. So I'd rather describe it in a more realistic way, which is like stepping into the ring with Mike Tyson in his prime. Um, we're getting the S kicked out of us. But again, there's still a lot of bright spots. You, can you say uh, shit on this show, Jimmy, or no? Because I was going to say shit kicked I wasn't out sure of us. You, I, I'm going to go with S. Okay. I'm going to go with S. Keep it, I'm, I'm keeping it clean. Okay. Keep it clean. Friend. Family show, family. Stay classy, Shatsy. Um, <laughs> look, at Brandon, we've coined the phrase in terms of the pandemic that it's actually changed nothing for the industry, but it has accelerated everything. Um, and Brandon believes that you know, specifically adoption and embracement of tech and innovation, which usually takes literally years, has come to the market in just a matter of months. Um, I know this most certainly rings true for you, Corey. So um, you mentioned, um, you know, the, the last time, uh, you know, this time last year, you were educating people about ghost kitchens. And now you have customers and, and, and clients, you know, coming direct to you. Um, can you share, you know, a little more maybe about how Zool has adopted and grown over the last year? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, you're, you guys are spot on with how you're looking at the industry. It's, it's changed nothing, but it's accelerated everything. Um, and, and the off-premise piece is certainly what's been accelerated the most. You know, I was, uh, uh, I was in a clubhouse chat um, talking about ghost kitchens and the state of the industry and where it's headed. And some woman got up on stage and was like, you know, my grandmother, who's 80, um, now orders groceries and uses the the third-party apps, et cetera, et cetera. She's obsessed with delivery. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that as a potential customer pre-pandemic, right? There's folks that were their hand was forced uh, into, you know, adopting really the, the e-commerce aspect of our, our business, whether it was Instacart um, or, you know, Prime Now and ordering Whole Foods. Uh, it was really the only means of, of being able to get uh, to get food. So we now almost have unlocked this whole new subset of customers, which is that that older generation that, you know, wouldn't be caught dead using a, 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 a delivery app, both in the grocery or the, the, the F&B space. So, you know, uh, that is incredibly exciting, right? Anytime you can unlock almost a whole new generation of customers, that bodes incredibly well for everyone involved. Um, but in terms of adapting and, and growing, you know, our technology is, is taken off in more ways than, than we could have ever imagined. You know, we when we acquired Entree, um, we effectively stripped it down to just its core function, which was ordering, and then built effectively from the ground up this multi-brand ghost, multi-brand ordering slash ghost kitchen technology to support what is this new asset class moving forward. And you know, once the pandemic hit, you know, every restaurant overnight, damn near globally, was turned into a ghost kitchen. And there was really no technology to support that in, in any capacity. Obviously, there was varying degrees of the third party, et cetera. But, um, you know, in terms of, of what this has done to, to our businesses, it's really unlocked this potential for our technology to actually support folks that are outside of our four walls, um, yeah. which is actually starting to, to take off and really be a meaningful part of our business. So, um, you know, again, we're, we're fortunate to be in a, you know, 
I'll be the first right to place tell you. the right time, huh? It's right place, right time for, for sure. Um, you know, but I think that's what a, a, a lot of folks looking back that have built big companies can, can likely say, you know, there's a lot of luck there, obviously. And that's certainly uh, the case here at Zool. But, you know, our mission is to help people thrive in the business of food. And, and what better of an opportunity to, to, to be able to do that with our technology that allows us to scale infinitely quicker and, and obviously much cheaper than, than building technology, or excuse me, than building, um, you know, these ghost kitchen facilities, which are not cheap and, and certainly uh, aren't quick to build. So, um, you know, the, the tailwinds from this are, are going to be significant and I think are going to be lasting for, for many years to come, if not indefinitely. Yeah, listen, there are a lot of people jumping into this space now because that's where the opportunity is because there's so many, uh, you know, places shut, there were so many places shut down during the pandemic. But, you know, uh, you know, truth be told, you were, you were a believer and bought into this. We were talking about this long before this, this is, you know, before any pandemic, you were, you were a buyer and, and believer of this. So, you know, you, you knew where things were going. Just like Jimmy said, nothing changed. This just accelerated everything. This is where things were headed anyway. Um, one last question for you, Corey, before we go on to a couple other uh, topics. Um, expansion plans for Zool. Anything outside of New York? Any more cities coming online or any more uh, of Zool kitchens in New York? What's going on? Yeah, you know, it's also the million dollar question. Um, you know, we're, we're very fortunate to be in a good position right now where there's a, a ton of opportunity uh, really at our fingertips. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but I've always operated under the assumption that, you know, startups and early stage companies, you know, don't die because of competition. They, they die because of lack of execution. And in mm -hmm. my opinion, the quickest way of, of, of not executing is by biting off more than we can chew. So we've always, you know, crawled before we walk, before we run. All that's to say we are talking to some very, very uh, savvy operators, both domestically and, and internationally, um, about, you know, utilizing our technology and, and, and certainly some of our demand partnerships as well that, uh, you know, without giving away all my secrets, uh, I'd be hard pressed <laughs> to think that we don't have a, a decent presence, you know, nationwide heading into, you know, the latter part of this year and early next. But, you know, Corey, I'm just going to say that, you know, you have in terms of this this kind of vertical, not many people out there that have the knowledge and experience that you have. I mean, it's only been a couple of years since Zool launched, but you are way ahead of everyone else. Like you just said, with knowing the pitfalls, knowing what works and what doesn't. And you've already pivoted your your model a little bit. So, you know, listen, you've done an amazing job. I'm going to let Jimmy get into the, the next section before my producer yells at me. Yep, I was going to tell you, Shancy, you're going to you're going to bet you're going to piss off our partner, um, <laughs> but you're good, you're good, Shancy. Listen, we're going to move okay. into a couple uh, segments that we like to do on the podcast, including this first one uh, that is a new segment for season three. Uh, you know, Shats and I started doing this podcast with the idea that we would get to talk to other people, introduce them to our guests and our friends on on, on the hospitality hangout, and we've learned along the way that our guests actually. Uh, would like to have an opportunity to ask us a question. So our newest segment for season three, we introduce uh, Talking Back, uh, where we offer our guests the opportunity to ask us anything. Nothing's off the table. So Corey, microphone is yours. Yeah, no, I, I, I love this. And and honestly, it's been a, a question I've wanted to ask you guys for, for quite some time. So I'm glad I get to- Keep it clean, it. Corey. Keep it clean. <laughs> no, you know, listen, you guys are, are industry veterans and in arguably the best food city, if not the food capital of the world. 
Um, and you guys have, have built up an incredible brand and reputation and, and whatnot. You know, I'd love some insight into, you know, let's wind the tape back and look at day one of you guys getting into this industry. And then fast forward to today, you know, what does that journey look like? What has changed? What's been the most exciting? What's been the craziest? We'd just love to hear how you guys have seen this city evolve from a, a food standpoint. Well, I got to tell you, Jimmy. Just, wait, Jimmy. I was going to tell a funny story that that's got me and you in it. I want you to tell a funny story, but I was going to ask Corey this, his question: Is it about um, kind of restaurants uh, as owner operators, and then evolving into this investment uh, business we launched, or is it were you talking about one or the other, or both? The journey from starting as restaurant owner and now into hospitality tech investor. I'd say both. All right, chat, chat Jimmy, can, you're I mean, can I just tell my story? All right, I mean, tell you, you tell your story. Asking his little questions. He asked a simple question. I'm going to tell the answer. You go, Chad. We got a great one, Jimmy. I remember with Jimmy when you, before. I mean, look, we were always uh, working together in the restaurant space because you started out obviously with friends, but you were an early and you were one of our first investors, if not the first investor, with Dean and I in some of our early ventures in restaurants. So we always talked, and we were always dealing with that. I remember uh, you were in the banking business at the time, and you said that you said, "Shatsy, I'm not allowed to. I don't know if I'm not allowed, but you said we we have to order from my office. I don't know what bank you worked at the time, but it was a long time ago. You said we have to order from online from a couple of things from this new thing called Seamless Web. Shats, you should check this out. It seems like it's really doing well. This it had to be 20 years ago, Jim. Yes, yes right? it was. And uh, I contact Seamless Web. I remember uh, it was our restaurant on Duke's on 37th Street and 3rd Avenue. And their office at the time was up on 37th and like Lexington. Tiny, tiny little office. I go there. I meet some of the people. In fact, Wiley was there, a few other of some of the early founders. And and <laughs> I said, I'd like to sign up. My partner, Jimmy, said he does banking in Midtown. They're like, do you go to Midtown? I'm like, we've, you know, we've never gone up that high, but we'll go to the 50s because that's where he needed to go. And I said, what do we need to get started? He's like a fax machine. And I'm like, I can get a fax machine. We can do that. It's like, you get a fax machine and you can get launched. And I just think that's really funny because that's what I remember with uh, where like digital online ordering for, for me and for Jimmy started. It's 20 years ago that we were getting orders from Seamless Web via fax machine from offices. And wow. I think that just gives you an idea of how far we've come and you know people don't understand that it's 20 years ago seamless web started so i think that's a funny story i think it's a pretty no funny one else thinks it's funny just me we could uh hit the uh, laugh track make sure everyone's uh everyone hears the laugh um <laughs> i think we might need a laugh, laugh track, track. Uh, the only thing i want to add uh, not so much to the story uh, but to corey's uh, respond to corey's question uh for me i mean shatsy has been the managing partner of the restaurant business since we launched it and it's always been tech-centric looking for technology that would bring efficiencies to our stores and that we that was the extent of it and then if you fast forward now we're about you know three and a half four years ago um all of a sudden, Shatsy's noticing an influx of tech where people bang on his door to test and try tech that's not actually doing anything. Um, and it seemed to us that that people had you know, kind of misunderstood the industry, had raised money, built tools that they felt were really important, and found out that the owners and operators, um, uh, they, they had built solutions in search of a problem or a challenge or an opportunity, as opposed to a tool that addresses the most pressing things. And one thing that you brought up early in the podcast, 
you grew up in this business and 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 we love working with owners uh, we love working with ceo uh, you know tech folks who actually have grown up in the industry because they really understand the workflow um, and the nuances of what goes on in restaurants, and they their their tech company really fits in uh, uh, well, fits in nicely to allow the two companies, you know, the, the restaurant, the brand, and the tech to work, you know, harmoniously together. And that's one of the biggest things I see tech companies missing is the lack of that subject matter expertise. And that's what we really tried to capture at Branded, uh, you know, two and a half decades of owning operating stores, um, myself coming in as, the, as the, again, the finance guy and marrying these two uh, areas of expertise and finance, and then now partnering with guys like you and, and tech companies, and obviously trying to be, uh, uh, you know, bring tech companies to our network that are allies to the industry. So uh, Shatz and I probably uh, sucked the oxygen out of uh, that answer, um, but I love the don't question. I, don't put me don't put me in the same category. I suck. I I suck the oxygen. Thank you. All right. Wrote us all down. All right. Can I bring us back up again? Bring us up. Bring us up, Shats. All right. Let me, you know, Corey, listen, technology has come a long way. Jimmy and I joke about hospitality embracing technology. The only industry slower to embrace technology has been coal mining. And maybe I think today with fracking, uh, you know, I think they're probably ahead of ahead of hospitality. So if you were to give advice, (laughs) if you were to give advice, to uh, our listeners and folks in, in, in hospitality right now uh, with, with respect to a tech stack, what would be, in your opinion, outside of obviously we love the ghost kitchen idea, what would be your top idea or, or necessity for anyone in the industry if they, you know, to put in their tech stack right now? What's most important in your opinion? Um, it's a great question. Honestly, it's any semblance of, of online branding. What does your digital real estate look like? Mm-hmm. It is unequivocally the most important part yep. uh, of of the overarching stack today, and and you know launching something new uh, that should be you know focus number one outside of making sure the numbers work. Yep, I, I agree. That makes perfect sense. Bingo! I like it. All right, we're going to move on uh, to the crystal ball moment. Uh, one of our favorite segments. We get to ask our guest to put on their Kreskin or Miss Cleo hat and predict the future. Corey, how do you see restaurants and dining two years from now in relation to hospitality and ghost kitchens? 10,000 Zool kitchens throughout New York City. Zool kitchen in every shopping mall. <laughs> Bingo. All gaps, all gaps will be Zool kitchens. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. No, um, you know, listen, I think – I don't know how much of this we'll see in, in two years, but we'll – I mean, we're already starting to see it. But, you know, one of the the, the – one of the things of the, the future is that there's going to be far less retail brick and mortars. Um, you know, I think gone are the days that you're opening up a brick and mortar in every single neighborhood. If you've got a thriving brand, whether it's a Chipotle mm-hmm. or sweet green, et cetera, I think we're going to have flagship stores. You're going to see Times Square, maybe a Soho, maybe a Fidei. Um, however, you know, you're not just going to have three delivery hubs. You're going to have a presence across the entire city and be able to reach the entire market because you will be utilizing ghost kitchens. Um, and then I think to, to piggyback off of that, I think gone are the days where um, you're operating one brand. You know, there's uh, a massive uh, underutilization of of kitchens uh, as it sits today. And I think we're going to start to see folks leverage that and and almost create these little digital uh, mini franchising groups under each roof. 
Um, so you may have a, a chicken wings concept or, um, you know, a, a pizza concept or, a, you know, a falafel concept all being cooked in the same kitchen and, and peddled out the back door. Um, so, yeah, that's where the industry is headed. If we, I don't know how much we'll get there in the next two years, but I think fast forward 10 years, that's certainly what it looks like. Uh, yeah, I got to tell you, being, you know, how everything's been accelerated, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, it's good. We'll get you on in two years, Corey, and we're going to see uh, how, how you did on that. Uh, my favorite section or segment of the show is about to uh, take off right now because it's my section or my segment, and I happen to be great at it. And humble. Yeah. Brandon <laughs> Quickfire, are you ready? Five lightning round questions. Don't think too hard. Just give us the first answer that comes to your mind on the next few questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. Who would you rather play? Your co-star in a movie, Bill Murray or Jerry Seinfeld? Oh, oh, with the Zool name, I, you know, it, it would make sense to go with Bill Murray, but I think I got to go with Jerry Seinfeld. He's my guy. Oh, New Yorker. 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 New York wins. Exactly. Yeah, over Chicago. Where are you getting dinner from tonight? Don't say Zool. That is a great you question. It's your, it's your quick fire. I think about it. Where are you having dinner tonight? So I am uh, actually going to be getting Sylvia's from uh, the Thrillist pop-up inside of Zool tonight. So that's where I'm getting dinner. Oh, that's so <laughs> Sylvia's pop-up is now. Oh, that's awesome. Thrillist, everybody. Uh, Sylvie's, a great, great fried chicken. Uh, favorite food city in the world? Uh, New York City, hands down. Boom. When travel resumes to complete normalcy, where's the first place you want to go? Oof. So my wife uh, surprised me with a, a trip to Paris for my birthday last year. Uh, we were supposed to go in May. That obviously did not happen. Um, so I think I'll, I'll we'll get that one back on the book. So when 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 the time is right, hope, hoping to get to Paris. Couldn't ask for a better place. If you were to challenge, this is the big this is the big one. This is the big question. If you were to challenge Jimmy or I to a game of Trivial Pursuit, who would you have better odds of beating? Ooh. Uh, Shatsy, I'm sorry, but I'd, I'd have to pick you. <laughs> Shopee, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. You're very smart man, Corey. I'm a, very smart yeah, man. No, I'm, a, I'm a fun guy to hang out and have drinks with, but if you want to you know, beat someone in Trivial Pursuit, just pick Shatsy. <laughs> Shatsy. Okay. All right. All right. Jimmy, Jimmy 25, Shats 0. There we go. All right. It's all good. Corey, we, uh, we can't thank you enough for joining us uh, on the podcast and for really sharing all your great insights. Uh, we appreciate the hard work uh, you and the team at Zool do uh, supporting the industry, not during the, not just during this time of need, but, but always. Um, and as we said to our listeners at the top of the show, uh, that Corey would have a special offer. And this one really is unique. Uh, this one is, uh, we are inviting uh, restaurant uh, restaurateurs uh, to actually connect with Corey directly to talk about if you're interested in a, in a ghost kitchen concept, um, or is it right for you? Uh, Corey would be willing to chat with you for a few moments, lay out some ideas, share his insights, um, and he would do that for friends and guests of the podcast. So if you want to get in touch with Corey directly, and no, I'm not giving you his cell phone number. We did that once. caused a lot of issues. You could reach out to Brandon at admin at brandedstrategic.com, admin at brandedstrategic.com. We'd be happy to connect you to Corey and take advantage of his expertise and willingness. So to Corey is him. not coming to someone's house and cooking for them? He is not coming to someone's house and cooking, <laughs> and we're not pasting his uh, email or or uh, or cell phone out on the podcast okay. um and, and and listen to our listeners uh we can't thank you enough uh for tuning in with us we know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there uh and the fact that you choose to hang out with us is something we appreciate and we value uh, i think it's amazing us. jimmy not i think it's amazing 
How many how many subscribers do we have? Uh, we're 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 over ten thousand now, Jimmy. We've hit a I we've hit a mark. Up. I, I was I was throwing you a softball. We just we just crossed the ten thousand marker. It's That's pretty a good. Big one. I'm having a, I'm having a drink them, with you tonight. Celebrate. Amazing. Not all of them are Schatzbergs or Frischlings. That's a good thing. Yeah. Um, but please join us next time <laughs> as we welcome our good friend Mr. John Rigos, the co-CEO of Orify Brands. They're doing some amazing things in the market, including uh, the acquisition of LPQ um, and uh, Maison Kaiser. I, I understand that they bought every restaurant in this country now. We're gonna have a uh-huh. lot to talk about. We're gonna have a lot to talk about with Mr. Rigos uh, on the next podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our podcast. Uh, Let's keep the count going. Um, And better yet, um, you know, invite a friend to hang out with us the next time she don't miss any of our exciting guests. So again, to Corey, we want to say a big thank you for joining us. This is Jimmy Frishing, your finance guy. I'm signing off and uh, pass it to my boy, Shatsy. Thanks, Jimmy, restaurant guy, a.k.a. Shatsy. Thanks for uh, joining us in the hospitality hangout, everybody. Thanks again, Corey. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate you having me. Cheers.